What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Vision Quest Sound Podcast. I'm your host, Philip, and on this show, we love to talk about music and culture with artists and creators who are making positive waves in our community. Being that the world is still in lockdown, in quarantine, that just means that all of our conversations and podcasts just become deeper, richer, and more secrets are revealed. So you don't want to miss this one. Stay tuned to the end. In this episode, our special guest, she's an LA-based singer and soul writer, originally from the Netherlands. She's a winner of this year's NAMS President's Innovation Award, a top finalist at the IMSTA Songwriting Competition, and a semi-finalist at the International Songwriting Competition. And she's also a featured creator here at Vision Quest Sound. Please welcome Kia. Thanks so much for joining us today, Kia. Yeah, thanks for having me. First of all, congratulations on your new single, Worth It. Yay! Yay! (laughs) Yeah, this is so exciting. Oh my goodness. I've been waiting for this for a long time, ever since I first saw you on YouTube (laughs) and social media. I know that you have a few collaborators on this. Give some shout-outs to your co-writers, to the producers, and tell us a little bit about the story. Absolutely. This song was written together with Daniel Coppolaro and Simon J. and Luke Shrestha, who did a great job on the production too. I'm good friends with Simon, and one day he called me up and he's like, yeah, like I know this cool songwriter, like maybe we should sit down with the three of us. And I'm like, yeah, like totally. He set it up. We met up one morning. Within three hours, the song was there. Wow. That doesn't always happen. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, especially in three hours. Right. And like everything, like the whole production, and it's uh, about an experience that I had, but it turned into something so much more than just that experience, you know? Sometimes the song gets bigger than (laughs) what you intended to be. Let's give it a listen. When I first heard it, I heard a little tease that you shared with me on your article, Creating Authentic Songs from the Soul. Thank you for that, by the way. Right. You're welcome. And I was blown away. Like a big anthem. This is a song that can really be appreciated on <laughs> headphones or in real speakers. Yeah. I want to have a song that, that is like a little bit out of my, my comfort style. Leans a little bit more into that pop sound. The music that I made up until now, it's it's always have been leaning a little bit towards pop, but it's not actually like a completely pop tune. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm my father's daughter. He gave me his eyes. My mother's example to let my love shine. Sometimes it's hard for me. So hard for me. That's just so personal, you know? I feel really connected to my parents, and we have a great relationship. I love a good tag-along, too. So after the second chorus, when it goes into... uh, You know, I want people to sing with it. And at the same time, I'm screaming my heart out. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Take us back to little Kia singing Lion King songs. So I want to know <laughs> your top three favorite Lion King songs are. Oh, 
Well, this goes way back, and I haven't seen Lion King in a while. But uh, Circle of Life, um, Can You Feel the Love Tonight, and Hakuna Matata. What a wonderful phrase. For sure. <laughs> I always teach my little students Hakuna Matata. Hakuna Matata. Yeah, the classics. So you're a big Elton John fan. Oh, yeah. He's so musical. Right? You can learn so much from, from his music and his piano playing and his arrangements. It's, and he's got this great look that he's rocking since years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah those glasses. I'm a big fan of glasses. <laughs> yes, me too. Me too. Yeah. High five. Yep. <laughs> I think your first instrument, correct me if I'm wrong, was French horn. Is that right? Right. <laughs> I started off when I was six. Okay. Well, I wanted to play the trumpet. That was like my ultimate dream. When I was six years old, I was this tiny, tiny girl with no lung capacity. <laughs> so they told me that the bigger the instrument, the easier it is. Mm. So I ended up playing the French horn for six years. And at the same time, I did classical guitar, something completely different and which I absolutely cannot do anymore. But back then, that was uh, the thing until I got into my teenage years. I think I was probably about 12 or 13. And then it, it wasn't cool anymore, you know. So, but it was great. You know, y you mm -hmm. learn how to read, especially if you're young. Like all my music uh, foundation and basis starts with those two instruments. So, did you grow up in the Netherlands? I did, yeah. You know, when I hear of the Netherlands, I just feel like I feel cold. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're absolutely right. <laughs> you know, a lot of people don't know about the Netherlands other than seeing, you know, like an opening shot in, you know, a spy movie or something like Mission Impossible or something like that, or um, YouTube. Can you tell us a little bit about it? What you miss most about it and what to love about the Netherlands? So, the Netherlands is a small country. I grew up in the north, which is a very small town that my parents still live in. It's very quiet, but also they're like bigger cities. So when I was younger, I felt like I need to see the city. I want to be around people. So I moved out fairly young and uh, and lived in uh, in a city first close to my parents. And then after that, I moved to Arnhem, which is like an hour from Amsterdam. It has more like an urban feel, very artistic city. We don't wear wooden shoes as people think what i am very disappointed <laughs> we don't smoke weed every day well some people do but i don't smoke weed every day at all actually there are windmills everywhere which i take for granted sometimes when i'm calling my friends when i was still living there and uh, i was calling friends who were not living there in like the u.s or something yeah. and they would be like oh show me show me the windmill or show me the streets like i i, I tend to forget that that's completely different, you know, houses made out of brick, streets completely made out of brick. But it is cold, except for the summertime, it, it can get really nice, but definitely not as hot as it gets here in LA. Wow. And how about the food? Like, what's, what's famous in, uh, from the Netherlands that we know here? This is a very acquired taste. <laughs> um, I don't really dig the Dutch cuisine that much. Mm. You know, it's a farmer's country. There's a lot of potatoes and mashed potatoes with carrots or with kale. And Dutch pancakes you have, like, for example, herring. There's, like, salt, salty herring. Mm. That's, like, a typical Dutch thing. And uh, they eat it raw with onions. And you would, like, pull it over your head. And then you would open your mouth as if you would slide it in. That's the way to eat it. <laughs> Do you, do you chew it or is it like swallowed? Yeah, I mean, you, yeah, you chew it. <laughs> okay, you chew good, it. good. I was like, whoa, that's hardcore. <laughs> yeah, you, know, you can't swallow the whole face. <laughs> okay. Puffertjes, that's, uh, those are like tiny pancakes, like really tiny. They would be like an inch or two, but a little thicker. Is, is it a dessert? Is it sweet? Yeah, kind of. They put sugar on it and butter. And oh, really cool. 
I'm half Indonesian, so I lean more towards the Indonesian cuisine. <laughs> yes. So let's talk about that. Let's switch gears a little bit. And uh, I know that you're Dutch Indonesian. Yes. Your Indonesian side. Where do you get that from? From my dad. He's an Indo, which is already a mixture. But Indonesia back in the day was a colony of the Netherlands. And back in the 50s, my grandparents, they went with the boat to the Netherlands. My dad is the only one of, of the family that was born in the Netherlands. So he didn't he didn't grow up in Indonesia. But you can definitely tell like he's dark skin and mm-hmm. he used to have very curly hair. Now he's kind of bald. <laughs> 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 but he cool. loves to make um, satay, which are like skewers. Yeah. So he has uh, those barbecuing. And then my mom, I guess she, she learned from his parents how to make like fried rice and Indonesian food is good. <laughs> yeah. I have lots of friends from Indonesia and I, I really appreciate the food and the culture and the people. I've never been there. I've never been there either. It's still on my list since years. <laughs> I know that you have been around the world. What places have you been to and what was your favorite? I've been to the U.S. multiple times. That always triggered me. I always wanted to go here. I did a high school exchange when I was 16 in Minnesota of all places but after that I did a half year in Costa Rica ah. which I loved the country is very pretty very beautiful and that's how I got my Spanish going on <laughs> a lot of times to Germany I performed in the UK UK was actually really nice that's awesome oh yeah they got such a great underground scene now I have to purge my mind I'm not the same as you So that's one thing that's very unique about you that I noticed. Mixed heritage, which also affects your music Mm -hmm. in many ways. From what I've heard on um, Secrets, Purge, Deja Vu, and some other stuff on your social media. Really cool, by the way. Great team. Great sound. Thank you. I hear a little bit of Neo Soul, some old school jazz, a lot of R&B, of course, soul, a real big word. (laughs) And of course, now you're getting to pop. Talk to us about your sound, the vision for your sound. Where is it heading right now? I guess the two biggest styles would still be soul and pop. I think that will always stay. I think I don't think that'll ever change. I am leaning a little bit more towards pop right now, but at the same time, I just did a I did a little video the other day with um, with two friends of mine, Jakub and Peter, and we made this new soul minute, and absolutely love that. So I'm I will always yeah. be in the same two styles. I think that takes time to figure out what kind of style you want to have, or what fits you, what suits you. Like I've done, I just. I just reposted a a story that was from five years ago, and it was uh, me standing in a in a rock club. I was doing rock gigs every Saturday. Yeah, I, I saw that. That was really cool yes. out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> I tried out a lot of stuff. You know, I, I wanted to see what works best. Obviously, my conservatory was jazz and pop, so I took a deep dive into jazz, and now it's leaning more towards pop. Your resume, your bio, you're stacked with music education. Yeah. From conservatory, you're classically trained, you grew up from a musical family, I think, right? Everyone played a little something. Mm -hmm. In a music conservatory in Arnhem, the Netherlands, right? Tell us about that experience. What was the key, the big things that you took away that you learned from being in a conservatory studying in the Netherlands? Uh, I think I learned almost everything there. (laughs) That was a great space for me to develop. I think I came there at the right age too because I think I was like 21. I did do like a performing arts school before that and I could have done the conservatory right when I was 16 because I graduated high school when I was 16. But I felt like I wasn't ready back then. And I also had the fear when I was younger if I would be doing music every day 
mm. I would be bored or I would not, music wouldn't be fun for me anymore. But over the years, that kind of faded. And actually, I felt like the more I do it, the more, the more fun it is. When I got into the conservatory, that was first of all an achievement for me because when I did my audition for it, I didn't have like any expectations. Um, I got in, so I was like, whoa, okay, cool. And I got a great vocal teacher and um, she kind of vouched for me too. She was like, I want her. (laughs) I ended up taking four years classes with her and uh, she Mm. became kind of a life coach. And it was just a great space to develop and get a good music foundation of theory and performing a lot and figure out different styles. So they also do like, you know, jazz combos or fusion or Latin. And when you go into your third year, they kind of give you more freedom so you can actually choose what kind of subjects fit to you and what you want to learn and what you want to get out of the program. And then up until your last year and also like, when I came into my last year, like I did not have the plan to go to LA. <laughs> Maybe subconsciously, because I had to write a letter when I was in my in my second year. So one of the goals that I wrote down is, it was a question where do you want to be in five years. I wrote down, I don't know, I might have moved to the states without thinking because I was, you know, I had a set set life there, not having to goal at all. Like, oh, I need to be in LA and I need to do this. Like that wasn't in my dictionary back then. <laughs> so when I came to my last year, you have the opportunity to go abroad or do like an academic uh, ac- academic semester. And my vo- vocal teachers, I had multiple, but they all said like, yeah, if you want to do it, you got to do it now. Now is the time. You're still young. You can still do it. After you graduate yeah. it, you're not going to do it anymore. And then I thought to myself, you know what, you're they're kind of right. And I was thinking to myself, well, where would I want to go when I would go away? And what do I want to get out of it? Because I was there for vocal performance, but I was working a lot on my songwriting. And so I decided to do a songwriting semester and I looked up schools in LA and I found one and was able to do the exchange there. So that was the first time when I came here to LA in 2017. I fell in love. Wow. Congrats for following your heart and, and taking the leap of faith. Yeah. You mentioned what, it's been two or three years now, right? Almost almost three. Yeah. I still had to go back back then. So that was only for five months. And then I had to go back and graduate for the rest of the year. And uh, within that half year, I was just, I just kept thinking like, I feel like I need to go back. So I researched everything in my power to see what's cool fit and um, how I'm going to get that together financially because this city ain't cheap. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely tough. I'm glad that you did that. And mm-hmm. even though you, you mentioned that you're a late bloomer, you mm-hmm. caught on a little later on with the vocals, like yeah. what, you were 17. Right. What a turnout. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, you're classically trained. And then how did the R&B, the neo-soul, how did you get into that? And who are you? Talk about some of your influences because you have a pretty unique, soulful style. I didn't really listen a lot to R&B music when I was younger. My sister was always the one who did that. So I would hear it one way or another. But um, back when I was younger, I was more into pop music. When I got more into performing, and I guess I had a little bit of interest into R&B side when I started singing because I felt like, oh yeah, this kind of this kind of fits my voice it feels comfortable and then the real overlap came when I really got into jazz right after Neo Soul and R&B so I think some examples that or influences that I have for like the older Neo Soul would, would definitely be like Erica Badu Lauren Hill I love Lauren Hill she got when I heard her rapping I was like I need to write raps <laughs> that's that's so cool oh yeah so I started writing like you hear it in Deja Vu there's like bars in there um, I hear it in your music mm-hmm. in general that's that's kind of your vibe. It, it breeds. I hear mm-hmm. a little bit of Erica. I hear a little <laughs> bit of Lauren. 
And you're grooving. Even in your talk, you got that soul. <laughs> Keep it going. Yeah. Okay. And then, oh, hide this coyote. Don't forget that one. So musical. I'm the king, I'm the queen, I'm the sinner I receive, I'm the patient, I'm the doctor, I'm the night What kind of challenges do you face as an independent artist in LA being from abroad during quarantine? Yeah. <laughs> I know it's a... It's a thing. <laughs> you know, nowadays you need to be so much more than just an artist that makes music. I feel like if you're an independent artist, it's so important to have a good network. But at the same time, you got to be as versatile as you can in terms of mastering other disciplines like PR, marketing, social media. It's almost like you need to be a company and you are the brand. And if you don't know how to do that, you got to hire people to do that. But obviously, the hire people, that costs money. So one of the biggest challenges that would, would be for me and still is actually is is that financially it's it's been tough because if you move to the other side of the world that already costs a lot and then I budgeted everything out over the span of two years of my master's degree because my master's degree is is expensive too luckily with you know the help of scholarships and um and stuff like that but um on a student visa you're not allowed to legally work so there's not a lot of money coming in either so then the question is, you know, how are you going to pay for studio time, engineer time, producer time, PR, marketing, videographer, graphic design? Like that's been a really big challenge. So that's where the good network comes in. Beside that, you just got to figure out how to do as much as you can yourself. Yeah. It's so important today, building a team, finding the right people. Oh, yes. You know, collaborating. Absolutely. And giving. So everything that you said, yeah, those are all common themes that we have here on Vision Quest Sound and, and our podcast, so I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up. Would it be so much easier if I just I know before this whole quarantine, you were getting ready to, you know, as musicians, as artists, you know, we thrive on performing, right? That's what we do. We're live. We're real performers. Right. I know Alfie is your bass player, Nia. Can you give some more shout outs to the musicians who've helped you and performed with you? The people that you call your team. The team is pretty big. <laughs> Devin Pruden on drums. And that's who we used to play the keys in, in the band. Alfie, you know, Eric. So Alfie, he's in Tijuana right now and... When we were planning to do the studio live album, I called Eric up, Eric Gar- Garcia for bass. Then Isaac Garcia on guitar. They have the same last name, but they're not related. <laughs> I already said Natsumi. She went back to Japan. And then Simon jumped in to help play keys. Then I got Joshua Escucha on sax. Yes, the brass in the house. Yes, yes. I love that guy. He is so exciting, so much fun to work with. Oh, my goodness. He played the sax on um, Pioneer. I, I noticed that, yeah. It's very tasty, right? And we got Jordan Wainwright on trombone. She's a killer trombone player. And then the backing vocalist, well, you know, Nia. And then um, Carly Lyman, my really close friend. Alondra Marquez. And um, and yeah, Daniel's not part of the team. Luke has always been part of the team, too. And then I work a lot with my German composer and friend, Lars Hempel. Oh, he's awesome. Yeah, I keep seeing his name come up in... In all of your uh, <laughs> in all of your compositions, yeah, we've been writing a lot. I want to meet him. Oh, you should. He's so much fun. Is he here in LA or in Germany? He lives in London right now. He moved out there last year. He's planning to come to LA. He uh, he just got accepted for the Royal Music Academy of London, so that's super awesome. So I think he's gonna take these upcoming two years to finish that, and then he'll move out here. Yay! Yeah, let's grab some coffee with him. Yeah, we want to be nice to him. Okay, keep him close. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. <laughs> Shout out to Lars. You've got a whole ensemble. I can't wait to see you live. <laughs> now you know that we're stuck in quarantine for God knows how long. 
What do you do outside of being a musician? I've been teaching music for past four or five years. Some private lessons here and there, vocal coaching, band coaching, and that kind of stuff. Still related to music. <laughs> I guess I, I really love to organize. I, I organized a couple of festivals back in the Netherlands. One of them was actually my final recital where I organized a whole open air music festival. So I'd love to maybe do that here when things go back to normal. I had a plan in mind to maybe set something like that up. Yeah, I like that idea. Maybe we can talk about that, you know, in an upcoming yeah. episode or something on, on how we can help each other. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. I'm trapped in this maze. Skyscrapers are looking down at me. Feels like the gray sea. How many languages do you speak? Uh, about four. <laughs> English, as you can hear. Dutch, which I grew up with. And then in school, I learned German. Um, when I did my high school exchange, I learned Spanish. Cool. Can you teach me how to say welcome to the Vision Quest Sound podcast in Dutch? Uh, yeah. Welcome by the Vision Quest Sound podcast. <laughs> so congratulations on the President's Innovation Award. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, thank you. A friend of mine emailed me and she's like you know, you should check this out because she already graduated and she's like, you're still in school and I think you can only apply if you're still in, 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 a, in a music education. So I just signed up for it, sent my material, sent my stuff, my recommendation letters and all of a the sudden they were like, you are selected. And I'm like, whoa. So that, that was a great experience and obviously to have that in your resume, it's, it's really nice. Yes, <laughs> that was a huge milestone yes. for you. The first American <laughs> award. That was great. Yeah, that's a huge award, you know, because now that you've been a part of history because NAM is historic. Right. It's, it's the biggest platform for music every year. I mean, I'm not yeah. talking about the concerts like Coachella and South By. I know that we now have to have you on our show as one of our hosts. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, I'd be down, definitely. So the next NAM, 2021. Yes. Watch out. Kia <laughs> is coming to take over. I'll leave everyone with Vision Quest on. So let's talk about future vision. What's your one-year goal as an artist? Ooh, my one-year goal, first of all, be to stay here. So that goes together with an artist visa. And to get an artist visa, <laughs> I need to do as much as I can as an artist. So I'll pretty much continue what I've been doing, writing a lot of music, releasing a lot of music, writing for productions or shows for commercials. Right now, I um, have my first movie gig. I actually have to be there in a couple of hours, which is super exciting. Yes. It's through Lars. It's a German uh, movie, which is absolutely great. <laughs> oh, congrats. You got to tell us about that later. Thanks. Yeah. I'm thinking about maybe getting a publishing deal. It all aligns together. I'll just be writing, recording, and when things go back to normal, performing again. So that would be my one-year goal. Do everything in my power to stay here. I'll help you. We'll help you. <laughs> Thank you. Let's continue to create and to help each other grow. When darkness falls, we run and glow. Oh, our show is about music, tech, and culture. Tell us about your tattoos. I know on the left side you have, ah. is it a microphone and yes. plugged into your wrist? Yep. What, what does that symbolize? Me being serious about singing. I got this when I was... Early, right before my 20s, I guess, or maybe I was around 20. It has some text in it, too. You probably know I'm a big fan of Jessie J. Yeah. <laughs> I got this tattoo, and, and she had that song, Who You Are, where she says, uh, seeing is deceiving, dreaming is believing. And I thought dreaming is believing, that that is just so real and so cool. So I got this mic done, and then there's like a ribbon around it that says dreaming is believing. And I, I didn't have the cable plugged in in the beginning. <laughs> 
<laughs> I had it in mind, but I didn't know how I wanted to have it. So it was just a cable. And then later on, when I got another tattoo, I'm covered in tattoos. Okay. Um, I decided to pluck, <laughs> pluck the microphone. <laughs> and then on the other arm, it's like full with my Indonesian roots. Mm-hmm. One thing that they have in Indonesia, they're called wayang dolls. And they're like these puppets that they used back in the days behind like uh, a white curtain. And they used to the shadows. Um, and then they would tell stories. And then they have music. And that was like a whole experience. So I have like a symbol that symbolizes when that ceremony started. And then I have the female and the male all on my right arm. That's a really spiritual one. Yeah. A lot of people think that they're aliens. Yeah. <laughs> because they look a little funky, but they're not aliens. Okay, just want to make sure, all right? <laughs> and then uh, there's a small one on my uh, right arm too, like right below my wrist. And it's an infinite sign and it has a swing underneath it mm. with a little bit of thought of forever young and, you know, swing life away, that kind of idea. And then I have a really big one on the side of my side of my body mm-hmm. it's like all roses that are growing that's when i got when i was 18 that was my first real big tattoo ah, so what does that symbolize um growing up becoming an adult blooming into something that i didn't know back then <laughs> <laughs> yeah somewhere in this world could be the netherlands mm-hmm. there's a younger version of kia uh-huh. what advice can you give to her Work really hard for what you want to achieve. Throughout the years, I kind of learned that sometimes things just take a completely different course like we're in right now. And it goes against everything that you planned out. I think it's important to stay patient. Things will find its way. Have patience. That's a really good one. Yeah, I need that too. Good things come slow. That's definitely what I've Mm -hmm. experienced. Yeah, it's the marathon, right? Yes. Cool. Amen. (laughs) She won't be silent. Hi, this is Philip from Vision Quest Sound. Thank you so much for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, please support our podcast by donating any amount that's in your heart. It will help us sustain future episodes, as well as support the artists and creators that are on this show. And if you enjoyed the music in this episode, please show some love and follow Kia on Spotify and social media. I'm Philip from Vision Quest Sound, signing off. Yeah.